Welcome to the Female Insight Zone, a podcast dedicated to sharing insights from women who have made an indelible mark in business and the path they took to soar. Welcome to the Female Insight Zone. This is Mary Beth Kazmeski. Today I'm interviewing Nikki Barua. She is a change agent with a big mission to unlock people's potential through ideas, inspiration, and tools for transformation. She is a super successful entrepreneur. In fact, she's won a lot of awards as an entrepreneur, top women entrepreneur in North America, LA Women of Influence, Entrepreneur of the Year, just all sorts of incredible awards. And so we're lucky today because we get to find out how she's done it. So welcome, Nikki, to the Female Inside Zone. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So I know you're the CEO of Beyond Curious. Tell me a little bit about how you got started in business, how you started this business, how you even thought of doing some of the things that you've done. Give us a little background on you. Sure. So I started my career in consulting and had the opportunity to work with really, really great firms, both on the strategy consulting side, as well as technology, and then digital marketing and so forth. And throughout my career, I had advised Fortune 500 companies and partnered with them to create some of the most game-changing innovation programs across the globe. And really, really big names did extraordinary work. But the one thing that really concerned me is that the world around us was changing really fast. And I found that these large clients of mine were adapting to change very slowly. They were embarking on these multi-year, multi-million dollar engagements to leverage technology to make the business better. But they were going about it in sort of this old school way of going from point A to point B in a straight line. And it would take five years to get to the end zone. By the time they get to point B, the world around them has changed. You know, technology is different. Customer expectations are different. Even competition is different. There are new kinds of competition emerging. They got to the destination and realized they were just as ill-prepared as they were when they started. And effectively, they had invented the past, not the future. And as I looked around other benchmarks and other frames of references, I started looking at what was happening in the tech industry in Silicon Valley and all these young emerging startups that were so agile and so quick to adapt to change and constantly pivoting and changing strategy and executing very differently. And I started thinking about what if a big company could be just as agile and just as inventive, just as nimble as a startup? What would that do? Because big companies compete on their size, but struggle to compete on speed. And that's just not good enough anymore. You have to compete on size and speed. That really sparked my imagination about figuring out a way to help large companies adapt to change by bringing to them the techniques, the talent, and the technologies that helps them get that speed to market and helps them combine that speed and that scale and ultimately have greater momentum. So the idea of Beyond Curious was really born from you know, the desire to be in the business of making elephants run. And that's what we do. So that was the idea, of course, you know, an idea is worth nothing, you know, just because you have the idea doesn't mean you have a business ready to go. And given that my target market was Fortune 500 companies, you know, it was quite a daunting challenge of trying to figure out, well, how do I build a business having almost no capital? no team, no case studies, and no clients to begin with, how do I convince a big company 
to take a chance on this vision that I have and give me a shot at building a team, building the methodology and helping them. But I was convinced that this was the way of the future. I was convinced that there had to be a better way that if these big companies did not adapt, that they would eventually die. Over the years, we've seen numerous examples of you know, the Blockbusters, the Kodaks, the Toys R Us all going out of business, not because they did not have the resources, but because they were too slow. You know, the number one survival skill set is adaptability. And that's really the promise that I was offering. So with that absolute belief and conviction in the value of what I was bringing to the table and my belief that that was necessary and important for my clients, I just set about on this crazy mission of contacting everyone in my network, calling 30, 40 people, reaching out to several people over email and LinkedIn, just doing that on a daily basis and successfully achieving a hundred percent rejection rate. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, this time, you know, I was was working out of home. I had nothing but my two little puppies nipping at my ankles and keeping me company. So it took every ounce of conviction and resolve to wake up, contact people, get rejected, go back to bed, wake up, you know, contact people, get rejected and repeat the process over and over again. I knew that it just took one break and I just kept at it until I got my first shot and I've never looked back since. So how long did that take from the inception of the company to your first break? How long was that? That took a few months. The initial stages there were in order to just have the ability to sustain, you know, there were a couple of things I did just as an independent consultant that was not aligned to the kind of work I was looking for, but just a way for me to get by. That came by probably within the first month. I was able to get some side gigs, if you will, that helped me get comfortable being independent and just learn what it took to even go through the business operations process. I think simple things like not even knowing how to generate an invoice or how to (laughs) record time or, you know, set up QuickBooks, simple things like that, that were just new experiences altogether. Uh, No idea how to go about any of those bits and pieces. So frankly, doing even the couple of smaller gigs were really helpful in getting my feet wet, getting comfortable, really getting those experiences because every little bit is valuable at the end of the day. You're just learning and growing and keeping moving forward, which is better than standing on one spot, doing nothing and going backwards. I did that. And ultimately, I think the big break came about about five to six months later. I can't say that that process was easy or (laughs) it required a certain kind of mindset that I had to develop on a daily basis because every day I would wake up with optimism and feel completely broken at the end of the day. And so I had to repeat that process of rebuilding my confidence and finding my source of faith over and over again. Were you getting any positive feedback at all? Or was it just you and your belief that this was something that was going to work? Positive feedback. There was interest. There was a uh, fascination by the ideas I was sharing with people. You know, so when I would reach out, I was getting some meetings, I was getting some phone conversations and opportunities to share with people kind of what my ideas were. You know, positive conversations and feedback does not pay the bills. So that's really helpful. You really don't have a business until you generate the first dollar of revenue. 
everything else is just uh, someone patting you on the back and saying, good job, don't give up. You know, it doesn't really (laughs) make that much of a difference. But, you know, I, I was absolutely convinced that this was just a matter of time. In fact, our first major client, I landed a meeting with someone that Frankly, I think I just wore down from persistence. I just kept knocking on his door so many times that eventually I got an in-person meeting. I was able to convince him to make some introductions within this very large company that he worked for and got some additional meetings from that. I just kept meeting with a lot of people that were you know, kind enough to give me 15, 20 minutes of their time. In other cases, they simply gave in to some opportunities and But I just met with a lot of people. And every time I was meeting people within this company, I just learned more about their needs. I learned more about the environment. I learned more about where the gaps were. And I was able to identify a specific way to tailor the message and the value prop to what they were looking for. And eventually, I landed an opportunity to get invited to an RFP. And so they said, you know, we'll put you on the list. We'll get you an RFP. So I was able to cobble together a team of freelancers and people that, you know, crafted a response, you know, proposal. We made it to the final rounds, got invited to an in-person presentation. Everything went really well. They were impressed with our ideas. And then they said, well, how long have you been in business? And at this point, it had been a few months. And so I think it was probably three or four months at the time that we first got the call and they were like, do you realize we're a Fortune 100 company? <laughs> and so I think something about the audacity and the belief in doing this and not being fearful to go into a really big company and asking them for a shot because you absolutely believe you can help them kind of got their attention. But of course, we did not get the deal. And we repeated that cycle 11 times. So we lost that, got invited for the next RFP went through a painful process of putting the proposal together, getting to the finals, getting rejected because of size and newness. But the 12th time, we finally got the shot. But each time that I got rejected, I asked them for a meeting to get feedback and said, what can we do better? What did we do well that resonated that we should keep doing? What can we do better? How do we improve in that? And if the gap between their needs and what I had to offer was a mile wide on the first try. By the time we got to the 12th try, it was just a few inches apart. So we were able to translate that feedback into making our offering better and ultimately learned enough about what they need in order to give them the right proposal. Well, it's just amazing because to recap, so you spent, I don't know, months, let's say six months making 30 to 40 calls a day with people saying, yes, let's do this every single day, 30 to 40 calls a day, 11 RFPs that were rejected. And then you finally got it. Now, most people would give up. And, you know, that's why I asked you before about the positive feedback, like what was keeping you going? And it was just your internal feeling that this was really going to be something incredible. Is that right? I believed in the vision and, you know, the impact it would have on companies. And frankly, a lot of these large companies are the providers of jobs and impact society. I believe that there was something I had to offer that would save these companies and save the jobs and make the world a better place. So there was that belief. But in terms of the daily grind, the best way to describe it is I got to the island and it burned the boat. I mean, there was no plan B. (laughs) So I just did not leave myself any other choice but to go forward. 
And I think that played a big role, I have to say, because if I had told myself that I could always go get a high paying job or I could always do something else or marry rich, you know, so <laughs> I would have left other options on the table and it, you know, the pain of the struggle might have caused me to look at alternatives. But knowing that there was absolutely no plan B, there was no other choice but to make this work. It tapped into a certain kind of resourcefulness and creativity and persistence that ultimately became truly powerful. Yeah. So beyond curious, just for a little clarity, you're a digital transformation consultancy. Can you give a definition of what that might be? Absolutely. Simply said, we're in the business of making elephants run. And the way we do that is we work with these very large traditional companies, the ones whose businesses are in legacy industries, you know, the large complex industries, financial services, healthcare, manufacturing, retail, and so forth. All of these companies are essentially, their business is disrupted by technology today. So if you compare a Marriott to an Airbnb, Marriott is a legacy traditional business. Airbnb is a modern technology-driven business. They're both in the business of hospitality. But one is built on traditional infrastructure, old school systems, processes, even cultures versus the other one that is based on a fully technology environment. And so what we help traditional companies do is rethink their business model. How do they compete in a technology era where they make money differently? How they run their business is thought of differently. So we help them craft new business models. So we help them with strategy development and so forth. The second area is that we help them develop modern digital capabilities. So instead of siloed, fragmented systems, we move them to the cloud or we enable them with mobile and web applications that are designed for the modern age that allow them to deliver cutting-edge customer experiences that are personalized or predictive and powered by artificial intelligence and so forth. And finally, we help them adapt their culture as well, because no company can be truly innovative unless its culture is. So we help them with change management and with new ways of execution. So we teach them different ways of doing work that instead of going about it in a traditional risk-averse linear way, we help them execute the work in a sort of entrepreneurial risk-taking modern way. So at the end of the day, the capabilities we're giving to these large companies is how can they get the insights faster so they know what to do and where the opportunities are. We help them build the systems, the processes, the applications that allow them to go from ideas to products faster and, and deliver those experiences in a digital way. And the third is we help them execute faster so that they can get to market much more effectively and have a modern culture. And that's really what makes the elephants run. Yeah, I'm glad you said that about the culture change. That's a part of what you do, because even if you implement and have all these, you know, digital tools and you're getting things in a totally innovative way, you're putting the company in an innovative digital platform. The problem is they still have a bunch of people and the people may not want to convert to some of these things. They might be used to some of those things. How do you deal with that when the people may not want to transform and adapt to the change that you're putting forth? Yeah, it's really the most powerful aspect of what we provide to our clients because, you know, if you're just dependent on outside experts to come in and give you the strategies and build the technologies for you, what happens when they leave? 
you're still left with the same culture and the same competencies internally. And so we really teach them how to fish. We've developed a proprietary methodology. You know, we deliver it through Beyond Heroes Academy, where we uh, sort of put people through the academy, teach them the methodology. And the methodology is really a secret sauce. So this vision that I originally had about how can big companies compete like startups, that eventually became a codified methodology. So it became a set of techniques, it became a set of tools. And so we packaged that and productized that methodology. And that's what we apply for our clients, not only in how we do the work, but we actually teach them to leverage the same kind of approach for um, how their employees do the work. It's fascinating to watch that transformation because people that have been in the same job for 20 or 30 years that don't think of themselves as innovators, think of themselves as, you know, the nine to fivers that say TGIF is so happy the week ended, they're not motivated or driven by change or frankly afraid of risk-taking and afraid of the disruption that's happening, when you empower them with the right techniques, when you empower them with the right mindset and you inspire them with the possibilities, it's amazing to watch that transformation happen within them. And so instead of thinking about what do I do with all these employees that don't have the right skill set, we're really the catalyst for that transformation. So we're not just transforming the products and the capabilities, we're transforming people and mindsets as well. I always say that, you know, one of our measures of success is when the employees in a client's organization go from TGIF to TGIM, when they're so excited about coming to work and being those innovators that will unlock these large organizations and do incredible things. Because when, when they believe they can, those companies achieve incredible things. And when those companies are successful and they're making the right kind of products and serving the communities in which they operate in, it impacts everybody. Yeah, so that's just absolutely amazing. Final question for you. I know that you're an advocate for diversity as maybe one of the fuels or a fuel for innovation. Can you talk about what that means and what you've done in that space? Diversity traditionally has been viewed as a feel-good thing, you know, like a box to check for large companies or sort of put in this HR or corporate social responsibility bucket. It's sort of like, well, let's improve the numbers. Let's improve the proportion of the makeup of our employee base or our customer base and so forth. But what's missing in that is in order to be innovative, and innovation is a business imperative today, no company can really thrive in an environment of so much change unless it has innovation in its DNA unless it's organizations constantly thinking about new ways to get ahead and new ways to adapt to that change. But that kind of innovation in your DNA can only occur if people are open to new ideas and new perspectives and, frankly, people that are different from them. So the same sort of mindset that one requires to embrace diversity is the same mindset you need in order to embrace innovation as well. Because if you're not open to people that look different or think different or live by different values or religious beliefs, then you're not going to be open to new ideas and new ways of doing things either. I think of diversity more as a competency as opposed to an ethnic or religious or gender makeup. I think of it more as, is that a competency you actually have within your organization where you truly are open and that kind of growth mindset, that kind of openness is what allows you to look and take in inputs from lots of places, be completely adaptive 
and see that ability and translate that into new ways of taking that collective horsepower and translating that into a new vision. And so that's why we really believe that as innovation you know, experts and as transformation agents, we can't just bring technology and techniques to the table unless we are able to bring that perspective of diversity within a client's organization as well. So it's very much embedded into how we think about things and how we help them embrace the idea of truly applying diversity as a competency. Oh, I think that is absolutely wonderful. You are really a change agent. You are really doing some amazing things. And how can people reach you? I know that you are the author of Beyond Barriers and then your company, Beyond Curious. How can people reach you, find out more about your company, things like that? So apparently I have a love for the word beyond. So uh, <laughs> uh, so you can learn more about my company at beyondcurious.com. You can also reach me personally at nikkibarua.com. And my book, Beyond Barriers, is also available on Amazon. So lots of ways to reach me. I'm on Twitter and LinkedIn as well. I'm always looking to connect with people and learn about their perspectives and new ideas because I think to drive real change, it takes a village. It takes lots of people to opt into this movement of making the world a better place and bringing diverse perspective to make the world kinder and more compassionate. Well, I am truly grateful that you've given us your perspective and ideas today on the Female Insight Zone. This was just amazing, and I appreciate the time you took to talk with me and to share with our audience. Thank you, Mary Beth. Appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for listening to the Female Insight Zone, a podcast dedicated to sharing insights from women who have made an indelible mark in business and the path they took to soar. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.